You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, we have another win from the Wisconsin Herd to discuss. Uh, now, we, we, won't, we won't be discussing it at any length, but I think we will discuss a corresponding move around it uh the herd end up winning tonight in salt lake city i'm scrolling through my tip twitter looking for the final score and i cannot find it uh but they did end up winning uh oh man I'm trying to there was a nobody th- nobody cares about the score but who i think xavier munford was good i think what he had like 28 points and, well and um, nader's nated all over them 22 10 and 8 for oh, nate walters nader's uh, so, pretty pretty significant stuff there, Frank. So, let's not just blow by. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, what it was significant was Joel Blumboy was not with the Wisconsin Herd in Salt Lake City. He was in Texas with the Bucks. Uh, that was uh, something dropped on the broadcast, and uh, the official team account did confirm that. Uh, with a number of you sending that to me and them. Uh, so shout out to all of you uh, keeping an eye on stuff. But uh, Joel Blumboy with the Milwaukee Bucks. And um, originally I was just thinking, okay, maybe that's some interesting Thon and, and John Henson insurance. But you said uh, during a, a radio interview today that uh, John Horse had mentioned him a couple times during that interview. Is that right? Yeah, uh, on 105.7, uh, they had him had John Horst on, and uh, you know when talking about the center position and the depth there, uh, obviously he talked about first and foremost Don and John Henson, but did mention Joel Ballenboy and and actually uh, twice mentioned Joel Ballenboy. So um, you know again that doesn't necessarily mean Jason Kidd is going to go out and and play. Joel Ballenboy or even have him be on the active roster, especially given um, the relative good health, uh, good health of the Bucks, and obviously the willingness that they seem to have to just go small. Uh, but certainly that that is an option kind of moving forward. And, and you know, as you mentioned yesterday, certainly in a scenario where John Henson or Thonmaker gets hurt, something happens, they're not available, then certainly Joel Ballenboy might you know get a shot. But uh, obviously having Giannis and the ability to go small, especially since so many teams now. Uh, do similar. I mean, keep in mind, I think Kevin Love was the only quote unquote big man who even played for the Cavs last night. I mean, you know, Channing Fry didn't play. Kristen Thompson was hurt. Um, I, I think we, we kind of just become numb to this sort of stuff uh, at this point a little bit when, you know, teams just don't play any real mm-hmm. big guys. But um, obviously, that certainly probably doesn't help Joel Ballenboy's chances. But um, we'll be interested to see uh, if maybe we do see him at, at some point in the near future. Why do I want to keep saying Ballenboy? It's Ballenboy. I'm so sorry, Joel. So. Um, that that's that's on me. On I mean, I, I I've like heard, I think I've heard people say Ballin Boy, so I'm just going with it. See, I um, know I know it's Lumboy, but I don't know if it's Ba or Ba. 
if that makes sense. I know the LOM is LUM, Lumboy, but I don't know the the first uh, syllable there. We'll, we'll get it figured out, though. Um, by the time he's on the, the active roster on Friday night, we'll have it all figured out. Uh, so there's some smaller roster news but still roster news uh for the milwaukee bucks um but really the big roster news is obviously the eric bledsoe trade and we had asked you guys to uh, send any leftover questions you had um things that you were still curious about that maybe we didn't cover on our original um emergency pod um i almost yelled it there but i decided against it um so we have some more of those questions we'll get to those uh but first we wanted to talk about um obviously both of us are kind of big cleaning cleaning glass guys um both of us have subscriptions and regularly talk to each other about some of the stuff we read there and the stats that we see there. Um, and Ben Falk at Cleaning the Glass uh, wrote down something breaking down the Bledsoe deal um, and a deep dive kind of from both sides, um, from both sides kind of strategically how you think about it, then a, a deep dive on the film for Eric Bledsoe, and then kind of just trying to sum up his thoughts on it. And I guess let's start first with his general evaluation of Eric Bledsoe. It was more positive than I thought it would be, if, I, if I'm being totally honest, because yeah. as I, I think about Eric Bledsoe and kind of being in Phoenix and the injuries... I think there's some concern from me with how real is anything there. Like you see him have some lazy possessions. Uh, obviously, at the start of this year, there, there were some really bad ones in some of those Suns games. Um, and you just, I just want to brush those away and say, you know what? That's being in a bad situation. That's being on a team that you don't care about, that clearly doesn't care about winning this season. And you're just kind of in a bad place so i'm gonna brush those off but then there's also part of me that wonders okay i haven't seen him perform on the defensive end at a high level uh in a number of months so does he still have that in him and uh, i thought ben came away pretty pretty jacked about uh yeah, pretty bullish about the way you would you'd imagine you'll see bledsoe fit in in milwaukee and what he can do on the defensive end of the ball uh so that was exciting and uh also pretty i'd say pretty bullish as well about Giannis and bledsoe working together in the pick and roll um which i gotta say i'm i'm excited about as well because i don't know man i'm trying to think uh, what Middleton is probably the best pick and roll partner that Giannis has had with Giannis as the role man. Um, maybe Brogdon. Um, and we haven't seen a ton, um, even of the Brogdon ones, especially the Middleton ones. Um, but we haven't really seen that. So him having a, a real true threat as a pick and roll guy um, was something Ben was excited about, something I'm excited about. Any thoughts on his player evaluation of Eric Bledsoe? Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, the... I'm trying to think like how how often I've even seen them run Chris and Giannis just because they're defended by guys who are yep. typically similar in size, right? So, um, you know, typically you see Chris running pick and rolls with with a center, um, you know, uh, pouring out for for Monroe, of course. The, the side oh, pick man, and roll they used to have used to be nice. Too, yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, but it, that was definitely encouraging. And you know, um, if you do, uh, if you're not a subscriber to CleaningTheGlass.com, um, you know, we certainly are, are big fans. Got very cool advanced stats that you can't really find sort of in the same, I guess, uh, framed in the same way with with 
player percentile rankings and team rankings kind of all like easily digestible even if you don't necessarily you know can't eyeball a stat very easily uh it's really good at providing context to, for everything but um but yeah ben's been writing and since last season uh great sort of analytical um pieces that are very digestible and um you know i thought the most interesting thing is he started this one with uh you know kind of framing the problem that the phoenix suns were in which was you know, referred to it as as an optimal stopping problem which is i guess a type of sort of mathematics and and looking at you know how long you continue to, you know, he used the example of, you know, if you're driving into the city and you see a parking spot, not right downtown where you're trying to go, but it's kind of close enough. Like, do you, do you take it or do you keep going? And, you know, he, I think very adeptly compared that to what it's like when you're trying to trade a player And the Phoenix Suns, obviously have had chances to, to trade Eric Bledsoe in the past and have decided not to, and we don't know what they could have gotten. Um, But, you know, I think as most people have, have surmised, they, they did not stop soon enough and they kept going and holding out. And uh, obviously the trade, the, the value they got was probably not, um, you know, commensurate with the skill level and the talent that, that Eric Bledsoe has in the grand scheme of the NBA. And um, yeah, it was interesting. And I think it's hard, right? Because I think the, the injury concerns, which again, you know, he hasn't been hurt in the last year, um, but uh, we haven't seen him play really on a team that's been very competitive in a couple yep. years. So it's sort of one of those things where it's, I think it's difficult. You can kind of sort of contort the argument any way you want, especially defensively, because we know he used to be an excellent defender a few years ago. Um, we know he hasn't really had to defend or been asked to defend or been under a microscope to, to defend at a high level uh, since, you know, really um, I guess a couple years ago. And so it's interesting, you know, you can kind of pick, it kind of depends on what you choose to see, I guess. And, um, you know, Ben's point was, was largely that he's an interesting fit in the Bucks defensive system because, um, you know, he does freelance and do kind of some things that, that maybe aren't great, but, um, he's, he's, you know, he starts off, I think he's made the comparison. He usually starts off in the right place and sometimes doesn't end in the right place. Um, but he's got, you know, terrific physical tools to, you know, we've, we've heard obviously a lot of people talk about the fact that he's very strong. You know, he's a guy who, if you do switch and obviously we've talked about the bucks probably should switch more than they do. Um, but he has the physical strength um, to to get switched and not give up as much as you'd expect from a guy who is a point guard and um, and so, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. But and I thought the offensive stuff was especially interesting because he broke down a number of different plays that the Bucks sort of currently run and how Bledsoe you know might best fit into that and looked at especially some of the um, some of the pick and rolls that they run where um, you know usually Malcolm Brogdon would be kind of taking a screen from Giannis um, at the right side and kind of dribbling to the right side of the lane. And Giannis is kind of basically going down the center of the lane, um, trying to get ahead of steam going. And, uh, and, and obviously the challenge obviously is, is getting in the ball and um, Bledsoe, obviously a unique, unique player because he's just, you know, more of a threat to attack the rim than, uh, obviously, Matthew Delvadova, who is not a threat to attack the rim, um, and even Malcolm, who who is certainly much better than Delhi, but you know isn't kind of your prototypical um, dunk on dudes type uh, type of uh, you know pick and roll ball handler. Although I will say I, I noticed I think Malcolm's um, pick and roll ball handler stats on Synergy this year. I think he's close to one point per play, which is very that, good for pick and roll. So he's been he's so, been so been much better so at the rim this year. It's yeah. so much better. He's able to use the glass and get some spin on those. Um, I was going to say, this was another case where I know we've talked about this in the past where uh, we'll see Zach write something or Kevin Arnovitz write something or Mike Prada or whoever it may be, and you'll see them say something about 
something we've mentioned earlier and uh i w- i felt validated throughout as ben talked about the the different ways that the bucks use Giannis and how they're doing a nice job creating good looks for him because uh, i think that's something that that we've thought uh throughout this year that there's certainly a whole lot to be left or left to be desired on the backside uh, of all that action for Giannis and maybe be a little bit more in intri- intri- intricate excuse me in in some of the ways that you're creating off ball action but with Giannis I've felt throughout this year that they've done a, a nice job using him in different ways giving him different looks making teams defend different things and uh throughout the piece he mentioned that that was something that they've done a nice job with this year so I felt validated Frank if I'm being totally honest uh that that felt good to hear um as we read through the piece though um I want to go over just kind of the the end of this piece kind of talked about and this is something Ben has talked about before uh, on his website with some of his other articles is about kind of franchise goals, organizational goals, like what you want to do, what you're striving after and how from the outside you'll try to you try to perceive what's going on on the inside that okay, maybe this team keeps making moves to win now, so maybe they're just more concerned about getting into the playoffs and, and making a, a few making a few runs, and maybe the championship isn't their goal. And other teams, that's all they're focused on, is getting to a championship at some level. And then the balance between those things and how teams try to balance that. And I thought it was interesting at the end that he did uh, kind of talk about how he he thought that the Bucks stretching Spencer Hawes over the summer. That that's, was a signal that they were more focused on the near term rather than the long term. And how, it, and I think he was trying to say like that's okay. And I, I think he used an exclamation point where he's like, "That's okay. It's okay for the Bucks to set their goal on getting home court advantage for a first round game or a first round series, which is something they've only done once since I've been alive." Um, so. And if that's how you want to measure success, it's fine. But then uh, he ended with his final paragraph talking about how, but if the goal is really to win a championship, how does this move shift your odds for winning it all? How does, how does this help win a championship? And I, I guess to me, and I've talked to a couple of people about this since reading this, and they had also read it, I thought it didn't necessarily ring quite as true to me with this Bucks team in the current situation they're in. Um, and I'm curious what what you thought about it and kind of uh, that that dichotomy of going for it, not going for it, win now, not win now, how to cl- classify moves, do they fit neatly into, into these things? I guess what were your thoughts as you read the end of that piece? Yeah, I mean, I think first off, people tend to um, treat uh, the win idea of win now like it's a very binary thing like teams are either trying to win now or win later and you know certainly like you know like the bucks throughout my lifetime as a fan like you know generally saying that they've been win now has generally been you know uh, a pejorative phrase because yep. they have been so far from being from winning in any kind of meaningful way um, but obviously the reality is it, it's a spectrum right and um, you know the the we've never really had the Bucks go um, 
With exception, maybe like the Jamal McGalore trade in what, 2005, I think that was, um, where they dealt, you know, like a future first round pick in Desmond Mason for Jamal McGalore, who was very much a short term, you know, quote unquote, in his prime, not really future oriented asset. They had just picked Andrew Bogut. They had just signed Dan Godzarich to, you know, the um, days of future past Michael Miles Plumley contract. Um, so, um, <laughs> you know, the, the whole, uh, the, the, uh, but other than that, you know, and certainly in my, like the, in the time that I've really followed the team closely and really kind of followed their like cap and sort of roster construction stuff very closely, um, you know, especially the John Hammond era, which obviously is like the primary era where I've really followed the team's roster construction sort of strategy closely. Um, you know, there was like the, always the two masters, uh, thing and challenge and problem. And that kind of, you know, also underscores the, the difficulty of, of trying to kind of have your cake and, and eat it too. So, um, so I mean, I think it's kind of interesting, but so, I mean, it, it is true, right? Like if, you know, in the sense that Giannis is, um, you know, his, his most likely window for winning a championship, um, is probably a few years from now through his late twenties, probably, um, you know, for whatever reason, that's when players have generally won championships, right? Like when you think of LeBron, Jordan, all those guys, you know, it wasn't when they were 22, 23. Generally, we have seen like KD and Westbrook did go to the finals when they were in that age range. Um, but you know, it's sort of this, well, it's, it's more down the road. So, um, you know, you have to, I don't, I don't want to say it like breeds sort of a kick the can down the road mindset. Um, but I think that was sort of, you know, certainly a little bit more of the implication that Ben was making that, you know, anything, anything that takes away from what the Bucks could be years from now is, you know, contradictory to the idea of, um, be, of aspiring exclusively to win a championship. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly understand that, you know, like if all you're trying to do is is win a championship in you know 2024, right, that um, anything you do more from a short term basis um, could be certainly if it involves like future picks uh, could be certainly something that that ultimately can can harm you down the road. Um, but again, I, I mean, for me, it's it, it's kind of all about like, well, how do you make smart trade offs? Because. I view it as like I'm trying to get to 2020 in the sense that that is the year Giannis is eligible for his you know super max um, extension deal, and yep. so my view is if you're the Bucks, I think you should be putting yourself in a position where you have a roster that yes, you want a roster that is sustainable long term that you can compete with year after year with Giannis in his prime, you know, and and that could be as soon as next year through, you know, whatever, hopefully sometime next, next decade. Um, <laughs> but, um, but by the same token, um, you know, like if like, I, I don't know, I think there's a bit of a contradiction because I think some people are really paranoid about the Bucks losing Giannis, but then like, don't want to do anything to sort of give him like a kind of like, team that can really help him win games now or mm-hmm. actually start to compete at a higher level um and so yeah i mean i think it's hard to just sort of and, and again i don't want to like characterize like one side of the argument or the other but um but the idea that you know greg monroe and you know a mid to late first round pick um is going to mean more to Giannis being able to compete for a championship um over the next few years versus eric bledsoe uh, i mean 
I, I'd roll the dice on Bledsoe. You know, I mean, I think, again, it's it could be, an, and I think Ben is correct in that he said, you, you know, a team would probably highly discount any potential value that Bledsoe could give them beyond this two years that he's under contract with his current deal just because we don't know what a next contract would look like. He's going to be an free agent. You know, his he might get injured. He may decline, whatever it might be when he gets closer to 30. All that's fair. I agree. Like, you know, I view this as a two-year deal plus you know, beyond that is gravy probably. Um, mm. But I don't think it's impossible that you could be able to keep him. And I think, I know what we were discussing before and we discussed a little bit last night too, is that, you know, again, like you're not going to be, you you might have had, you might have been able to carve some cap space in 2019 if you like got rid of Jabari and, um, you know, didn't make, for instance, this trade. Well, actually, no, th- this trade also be, you could you could have done, but, you know, again, Bledsoe will have a big uh, cap hold. So, you know, again, to, to create cap space, you'd probably have to renounce him. But, um, but like, if you somehow could talk yourself into, well, we're going to, like, give up on Jabari, we're going to give up on Bledsoe, and then, you know, wh- whoever is left is going to be then paired with some free agent we're going to sign in 2019. I mean, go go look at the history of free agency for you know small market teams whether they have superstars or not and you know i i just don't think that's a reasonable way that you're really going to build like you know the 2024 championship team i mean again like if you're if you're going to try to find like a young long-term starter through free agency like history is not on your side and and so i think again especially with their cap situation pretty encumbered to begin with um you know to be able to turn an expiring deal into a couple years of hopefully a very productive starting caliber player at a position of need um i think that's that's kind of a winning trade but anyway i I don't i i don't want to belabor all this so much because i know we have questions too sure um no i was gonna say the same thing i I thought to me like the final three paragraphs kind of came off as I don't want to say ignoring, um, but just not maybe placing the emphasis I would place on the cap situation the Bucks are already in, in that there there really isn't a ton of wiggle room. And this summer, let's see, so you lose Monroe, but you still don't have cap space. You right. can't you can't sign a free agent. It's the old it, uh, it's the old Gary Wolfel fallacy of if you lose a guy making eighteen million dollars, then you automatically get eighteen million dollars in cap space. That's not how it works. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. like, there, there's no cap space, and to get to cap space, you're pairing probably similar assets with one of the deals uh, that we talked about, or one of the contracts that we've talked about: Tladovich, Henson, Delhi, whoever it may be, and still you're only getting very what 10 ish maybe uh 10 ish million in cap space so i just thought for the duration of the bledsoe deal like uh, there's no doubt giving up a first round pick is a risk and uh there is a risk with the way that this thing is protected that everything could go poorly after this season next year uh, there could be a catastrophic injury the team isn't any good and you end up giving away the fourth pick in the draft and that would be awful (laughs) that that would be really terrible um but I, i think that's a risk you take to get that that added uh that added starter, that added talent and to get an asset that you have no other means of grabbing i just don't see how you can get an asset like eric bledsoe uh, and essentially two years of eric bledsoe 
with anything else on this roster. Like there, there just isn't ways to create uh, that type of talent influx. Um, so yeah, and, and just to, to amplify your point, so for the Bucks to the Bucks could have cleared about twenty eight and a half million dollars in cap space this summer if the following things were true: Greg Monroe expires and departs. John Henson somehow gets traded for nothing, meaning you attach assets to John Henson and get rid of his contract. Matthew Delvadova gets traded for nothing, probably because you again attach assets to him. And Jabari Parker doesn't get signed. That that's what that that is the degree to which you know. And obviously, you could sub in Mirza Talatovic into there too, or Tony Snell or something. But um, that that is the degree to which you'd have to do like a mass sell-off in order to have you know something resembling max cap space which you know again are the bucks really going to be able to use that um so again yeah this off scene really wasn't one where you were i think going to have you know real options there and you know again the challenge then is the following season um you know again chris middleton is all but certain to opt out of his contract and he'll have a 20 million dollar cap hold in 2019 um and so again you're not going to have big cap room but so much of what really happens in 2019 comes down to Jabari and, and obviously some of these yeah. other things. So, but, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of hard, right? Like I think any, any, any moves predicated on the bucks creating cap space and then being able to use that cap space more productively than, you know, signing or, or having Eric Bledsoe or for that matter, even Jabari Parker, if you look to 2019, um, I, I don't know. There's just not a lot of, there's very little certainty around that. Let's say that much. Yeah. Yeah, so like I said, I just thought the the kind of conclusion at the end was slightly devoid of the context of the Bucks' actual situ- the context of the Bucks' actual situation. In that, uh, that is, I think, very true for a number of teams that have a bunch of cap space. But in during the duration of that Bledsoe contract, I, I don't think that's really something uh, the Bucks had. So we can move on. Um, hopefully you're subscribed to Cleaning the Glass so you actually know what we're talking about. If you had, if you didn't, hopefully someone can get you a bootleg version. Um, we or, just gave them a bootleg version. That's true. <laughs> or, or, or you can just subscribe if you want to see more interesting stuff. Um, and like I said, there's a million a million clips I, I can't i honestly was surprised how many clips of bledsoe and Giannis and the bucks were in there so ben is a film maven so go check that out so i'm gonna be honest with you uh we decided that we were gonna do this in two parts and we were we were gonna talk uh, about the article from ben and kind of get you caught up and ready and then do a mailbag and it was gonna be like a 40 45 minute podcast that didn't work. Um, that, that did not work at all. And Our best obviously, plans. <laughs> obviously, that shouldn't surprise any of you. Um, so we're going to save the mailbag until tomorrow. Um, we'll, we'll go through some of that. We'll also do a game preview, and that will then get you ready for the Bucks against San Antonio on Friday. Um, so just want to let you know that's what's happening here. So if this is a little bit shorter than you were expecting. I apologize, but I don't really apologize because you have a whole bunch of content coming to you tomorrow. So for Frank Madden, this has been Eric Name, and this has been essentially the first part of a two-part podcast, but really this is just your Thursday podcast, so don't worry about it. You'll see us tomorrow, and we'll talk to you then.